Hello listeners and welcome to episode 11 of the Hippodrome Silent Film Festival podcast, our first of 2024. Today's release marks one full calendar year since we published our inaugural episode in January 2023. We have featured conversations with a host of fascinating people who are working in, within or parallel to the world of silent film, including silent film musicians, festival directors, analogue photographers, activists, academics, programmers, campaigners, and our own team. And we're really quite proud of the little space we've carved out in the podcast world and very glad you've joined us along the way. In today's episode, we are going to be tantalising you with a bit of background about some of our events from the 2024 festival programme revealing an illustrated talk and an exciting hands-on workshop that will both be part of our exciting lineup. Today's Hipcast guest is Jenny Hamilton, the wonderful woman behind Silver Screen Suppers, whom many of you will remember, I hope, from our 2015 festival in Bonaire, or perhaps our online COVID edition in 2021. Silver Screen Suppers, the wonderful world of film star dining and drinking, is a blog dedicated to testing out the best and worst of Hollywood home cooking. Initially inspired by one solitary text found in a stamp collector's shop in Norwich, Jenny's obsession with movie stars' meals has grown along with the online community she has cultivated of the culinarily curious. Jenny Hamilton is a film archivist by training, an adventurous cook by choice, a collector of postcards and the author of a host of publications, including, most recently, Cooking with Joan Crawford, which provides the inspiration for one of the events coming up at first 2024. But you'll have to listen on to find out more about. In this episode, digital content manager Christina Weber, a self-proclaimed, highly food-motivated individual, chats to Jenny about the origins of silver screen suppers, some of the standout successes and failures Jenny has sampled along the way, the bizarre and delightful world of Eve's film review, Joan Crawford's aversion to bar stools and her passion for candlelit dinners, and the ultimate conclusion that TikTok is the contemporary consumer's cine magazine of today. I hope you enjoy. In fact, I'm sure you will. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jenny. I am so excited to all of our listeners tuning in that today we are joined, I was going to say in the studio, but the studio is a Zoom call, um, by the wonderful Jenny Hamilton of Silver Screen Suppers. Would you mind please introducing yourself for everyone tuning in? Greetings, Hipfest family and friends. My name is Jenny. I am a film archivist by training and I'm obsessed with what old Hollywood movie stars liked to eat and drink. I've been collecting movie star recipes for probably around 25 years and I like to try out their recipes and I write about them on my blog, silverscreensoffers.com. Movie stars have taught me how to cook. So, firstly, wonderful. As well, as a food-motivated individual, I would say, I, I remember when I first came across Silver Screen Suppers through Hipfest and 
I I loved your focus on cooking and party hosting, but that's also grounded in cinema. And I wondered if you could tell us a bit about how you got started, how your journey with with Silver Screen Suppers began and what it was that really like piqued your interest in what movie stars were eating. Oh, well, when I was uh, studying to be a film archivist, I started collecting movie star postcards. They were very, very popular, especially in the sort of 1910s, 1920s. People would send each other postcards of their favourite stars and lots of people collected particular stars. So I started collecting them. I've always been a bit collector. I think possibly archivists generally are collecting types. So I was amassing rather a large collection of these and spending quite a lot of money. And one day I was in a postcard shop in Norwich. It was a stamp collecting and postcard shop. And they had a glass counter. And underneath the glass counter, I saw what was a kind of pamphlet that was called favorite repies of the movie stars and I said to the man behind the counter could I have a look at that please and when he brought it out and I opened it up it had all these incredible pictures of movie stars wearing chef's hats and aprons wielding wooden spoons pretending to cook things their favorite recipes so this was published in 1931 it's a very, it's a rare thing. And my copy is absolutely falling apart because I, I love it. I cook things from it. And so I, it cost me £12 and I bought it there and then. And that's when my movie star collecting, recipe collecting mania began. So I was collecting them for a few years before I actually got around to cooking anything. But it was in... 2006, I'd had my heart broken, Christina. Broken, by a man. And I was <laughs> I was living on a houseboat um, that belonged to a friend of mine and it had a tiny little cooker that you had to turn on with a pair of pliers. <laughs> this sounds like a perfect film setting. <laughs> I want to see this as a movie already. I was really miserable, brokenhearted after the end of this relationship. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to teach myself to cook. I was not a good cook. I didn't really know the first thing about cooking. So I got all my movie star recipes out and I thought, right, okay, I'm going to teach myself to cook via the the medium of movie stars. So the first recipe I cooked, I've no idea why I chose this. Betty Davis's Boston Baked Beans. Don't ask me why I chose that. (laughs) Beans are delicious. They are delicious and her recipe is very, very good. So that was the first thing I, I cooked. And around that time, I'd also read the book Julie and Julia. I don't know whether your listeners know that book, made into a film with uh, Meryl Streep. And I'd read the book, the original book, and she was a blogger. And she started cooking her way through Julia Child, Mastering the Art Art of French Cooking. I think that's the name of the book. And she'd been blogging about it. And I thought, ah, I know what I'll do. Every time I cook a movie star recipe, I'll do a blog. 
And this was in the very early days of food blogs. So I didn't take any photographs of the food. I didn't even put the recipes in. It's more like a sort of online diary. I cooked this and it was really nice. <laughs> or I cooked this and it was pretty horrible. <laughs> I don't always work these movie star recipes. So yes, I started recording all the things I was cooking and it just grew into a passion. And I started really enjoying it. I didn't think anybody would bother reading my little blog. But it turned out that people were interested in what movie stars like to eat and drink. So it's grown over the years. And yeah, that's that's how it all started. And I'm a much better cook than I was. So I have learned lots of lessons from the movie stars. And yeah, so that's how it started, really. I'm intrigued. Do you are you in are you interested in what contemporary movie stars are cooking, or is is that just not a thing? No, <laughs> not at all. Well, Gwyneth Paltrow famously has written several cookbooks, and I have got one of her cookbooks, and it, it is actually very good. Because the nice thing about Gwynnie is that she acknowledges that she's got a, a proper food writer working with her on the books so her recipes are good they're very healthy I would say my interest in stars cooking ends about 1960 <laughs> it's good to know where the cutoff is <laughs> but yeah my my interest tends to be towards the earlier the earlier film stars but some film stars actually wrote whole cookbooks so famous Vincent Price, horror actor, was an excellent food writer. He wrote several brilliant cookbooks. My absolute heartthrob, Yul Brynner, wrote a cookbook, <laughs> which is also very good. And the beautiful Sophia Loren wrote, has written several cookbooks. She's a brilliant food writer. So movie star, some movie stars obviously didn't cook. Jean Harlow, I would suggest, never went in the kitchen. <laughs> but I think in the earlier days, movie stars were asked for their favourite recipes by magazine journalists. There were loads and loads of found magazines. Obviously, in the silent era, movie star magazines were prevalent. And people wanted to know all the gossip. I mean, I'm very nosy. And I just, I like to know what's going on. Even if it was like in the 1920s, I want to know <laughs> who's dating who, where they're living, what restaurants they're going to. That's what fan magazines were all about, really. The private lives of your favourite stars. So a lot of the recipes I get are from the old fan magazines. So, yeah, I have to ask... What are your standout recipes from your your culinary journey? And that means the really good ones and the really bad ones. <laughs> well, let's start with the baddest. <laughs> Is baddest a word? <laughs> I think the worst thing I ever made was uh, a recipe from the lovely Ginger Rogers, uh, and it was her butterscotch date pudding, which sounds okay, doesn't it? That sounds good. I think that would be nice. But unfortunately, the major ingredient in it is tapioca. And if you grew up like I did in the 1970s, tapioca will just make you think of school dinners and the texture. You either like it or you don't. 
So most of that went in the bin. So that was a memorable fail. I think some of my favourite recipes, well, Joan Crawford, who I think we're going to talk about a little bit later. Joan Crawford was a big show-off in the kitchen. Like, Joan wanted to be the best at everything, and that included cooking. And she did cook a lot. Some stars, as I say, I don't think they really did cook, but Joan definitely did. was definitely a whiz in the kitchen. And I think probably my proudest moment of the movie star cooking extravaganzas I've done was her poached salmon. You you wrap a whole salmon in cheesecloth and you cook it in a, what do they call those things? It's a very long, thin fish kettle. That's right. I do not own a fish kettle, although I have purchased many ridiculous things. <laughs> I, I buy something, use it once, put it in the cupboard. But luckily, I have a friend who's got a fish kettle. I've never heard of a fish kettle. Yeah, they go on the stovetop, so you put a small amount of water in the bottom. And I think I think you put some herbs and maybe some lemon. You put sliced lemon on the top of the salmon, you wrap it up in cheesecloth, and then you steam it in your fish kettle. So if you think of the shape of a fish, it's that sort of shape, long and thin. And I was so proud of myself when that fish came out of the kettle. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Joan's recipes. I have actually written a book, Cooking with Joan Crawford, because I love her recipes so much. But yeah, there have been lots of successes along the way. I've written a couple of other books. So I did write a book about Columbo, television detective Columbo. And his favourite, my favourite recipe of his is pork chops with vinegar peppers. That is delicious. Most of the recipes, I would say, are good, but occasionally you get a turkey and you can't always tell when you read it because most of these old cookbooks and magazine articles don't have photographs of the food. And it's a fairly recent thing that all cookbooks now are highly illustrated, aren't they, with beautiful photographs that make you think oh that looks nice I'm gonna cook that but most of the the cookbooks that I have with maybe star recipes in there are no photos my own kind of small collection is I collect from charity shops cookbooks from I, I think it's the 80s but but it's just a particular look a very kind of shiny brown photography yeah. <laughs> I always thought I would eventually frame them and have them as cool kitchen artwork but I've got so many now that it's a bit impractical for, and a very small kitchen. Um, well, for, for Christmas, I made my husband a pack of playing cards with ugly food photos collaged on every single card. So you could do that. Oh, my goodness. They sound amazing. <laughs> they, are, they are pretty good. Even if I do say so myself, I'm very good. <laughs> So, yeah, I know what you mean. I like food photos from the sort of 50s. Yeah, I used to work in a in a deli and I used to try and photograph macaroni cheese to make it look really <laughs> nice. And it's, it's very hard to photograph macaroni cheese because it's just a beige lump, but it is so tasty. The trouble with being obsessed with movie star recipes is that the minute anyone mentions any food stuff, I immediately think... Oh, macaroni cheese. Yes, I've got a very good Pearl Bailey recipe. <laughs> cheese. 
And if anyone mentions a film star they like, I immediately say, oh, what what recipe have I got for them? I can't help it. That's amazing, though. That's a real talent. That's a skill. You're like a, a reference library of <laughs> films. Kind of... You're a mastermind. Yeah, you should. You really should. That would be amazing. What kind of cocktail did Errol Flynn like to have in the morning? <laughs> I have an Errol Flynn resuscitator. Basically a Bloody Mary. Oh, I'm not a fan, personally. Not a fan of a savoury savory booze. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for that and for I've made lots of notes of people's recipes that I'm going to look up. I'm also just generally going to look up tapioca because it's not something that I don't think I've ever eaten and I'm intrigued to, to do some research on tapioca now. Oh, just imagine eating frog spawn and you'll have the right idea. Okay, like rice pudding. Yeah, like little round globule, globular things. Bubble tea has made a big... As is currently trending, so like bubble tea, you'll like Ginger Rogers butterscotch date pudding. <laughs> yeah, it is. But as much as I love talking about food, and I now actually want bubble tea and macaroni cheese, which would be a very bizarre meal. We should probably talk about it first. <laughs> so we are absolutely over the moon that you will be joining us in Bonus this year, and listeners may remember the fantastic. Was it Mary Pickford enchiladas from our online edition? And this is the first kind of announcement from the program, which is exciting. We are delighted to have Jenny presenting not one, but two elements of our 2024 program. So would you mind giving a brief overview of what audiences can expect from you in March? Yeah, I am so excited to be coming back to HipFest. I came in 2015 and did a Hollywood Cocktails and Canapes workshop, and that was great. And I really loved doing the Mary Pickford enchiladas. When we were going through that very strange lockdown time, that was a bit of fun, and I really enjoyed doing it. And I got lovely feedback from people. Lots of people made the enchiladas. I know you did, Christine. I did. They're delicious. <laughs> Yeah, so that was lots of fun. So yeah, I'm back doing two events. And the first event relates to my first silent movie passion, and that is a thing called Eve's Film Review. Now, just to get you let your listeners know what Eve's Film Review is, in the full supporting program in the silent era, when people went to the cinemas, they'd have all kinds of little bits and pieces before the main feature there would sometimes be a travelogue or a special interest film and a newsreel but also some cinemas would show a thing called a cine magazine so if you think about a newsreel being the moving picture equivalent of a newspaper then a cine magazine is the moving picture equivalent magazine so Whereas the newsreel deals with war, disaster, politics, serious subjects mostly, the Sydney magazine was much more about fun things like dog shows, <laughs> fashion, uh, fripperies really, fripperies. <laughs> So this film review was a very special cinema magazine because it was designed for the ladies in the audience. And it started in 1921 
And obviously, because of the First World War, there were what was known, became known as two million superfluous women. So there were so many women of marriageable age with no menfolk, uh, they were called superfluous women, which is not very polite, is it? But a lot of women were going to the cinema. So this was a, an entertainment directed specifically as, at them. That's not to say there's not much to enjoy in it for men too, but it was designed to be with women in mind. So very much focusing on fashion, inventions for women, but things like women at work, you get these great little films of women going about their daily work, extraordinary women. So you get aviators, women, motor car racing drivers. It's just a cornucopia of fabulous, entertaining short films about women's lives in the period. So it ran from 1921 to And some will have seen one of these called The Way of All Flesh. I think it was shown last year at Hitfest. I was thinking of that when you, and it was completely bizarre and delightful. <laughs> yes. Well, that's the, that's the thing with these film review. Much of it is completely bizarre and delightful. So <laughs> I worked with that collection uh, for several years. I worked for British Pathé cataloging that collection. I'm going to be bringing a selection of those to delight and entertain Hipfest audiences. So I'll I'll introduce them and tell people a little bit about the films, why they were made, how they were made. But they are still super, super entertaining and really fascinating because they really give you an insight into what women were doing during that period. But as I say, plenty for men to enjoy too. Were they were they fictionalized? Well, the intertitles are are often very funny. So sometimes they soft story, but they are documentary in feel, if you know what I mean. So things like fashion shows, there would be women at work so that you get things like the daffodil harvest and it's just so beautiful to watch lots and lots of women at work harvesting daffodils bunching them up packing them just simple things like that women blacksmiths that's another one that I remember and you just think wow and women at that time were doing a lot of things that they hadn't really done before like playing cricket <laughs> golf I love those, especially the cricket ones. They're great. It's women enjoying themselves, living their lives to the full and being seen on screen doing that. So they really are interesting films, I think. But yeah, very re revealing and very entertaining. So I hope some of you will be encouraged to come and see that. They are fab. That sounds amazing. I can't wait. I think it's interesting as well i am always interested in how cinemas have changed and how viewing films has changed and i was wondering what you you know what would the modern day equivalent of a of a <laughs> cinema magazine look like and do you think audiences would respond in the same way what is such a an interesting thing to think about in terms of cinema going 
I think because they were a collection of short films, so there would be like three or four different films in each Sydney magazine. So you might have women at work, women playing golf, a fashion film, and then something weird inventions, beauty regimes, like women with strange contraptions on their faces trying to get rid of their wrinkles, stuff like that. I mean, that sounds like TikTok, to be honest. I think you've hit the nail on the head. Yeah. It was original TikTok. That is a very good marketing way of putting it, isn't it? They're little short entertainments. And if you're not interested in fashion, you might be interested in the next one. It's like a kaleidoscopic short entertainment. I suppose some people would have been out getting the popcorn at this point, <laughs> chatting for their friends before the main feature came on but so yeah modern day equivalent definitely tiktok yeah i like that i guess the good thing about eve's film review and there being say four or five and then the film starts is there's a clear end point but now we can just scroll endlessly forever consistently <laughs> being grabbed by the next thing or not interested in that but then interested in the net in the next facial gadget the fashion films are interesting because in the early early days of the cinema cine magazine they didn't mention the name of the fashion designer but as as time went on there were, were like little adverts for particular fashion designers but very high-end like parisian haute couture the most enviable things that most women in the audience would never be able to afford. And I'm showing a fashion show item which has got the most beautiful coat I have ever seen in my entire life. And when I first saw it, I just thought, I want that coat. <laughs> I really wanted that coat. And I just thought that must have been what it was like for women in the audience to see these really, I don't, I can't think what the word is, covetable is that the right word like things that you would just think oh my god I would love to have that dress or that it's the same now isn't it like with Vogue magazine lots of people who could never afford the clothes in Vogue will buy Vogue just to look and dream about it I think there would would have been a lot of that about the fashion items yeah and it's the same with social media now as well as the adverts of where what's the word you're just going about your day posting a funny anecdote to Facebook and then you'll get hit by an ad that again shows you like the most beautiful trousers you've ever seen and you're, you're suddenly convinced that if you had them you would be successful in all your endeavors I, I did that this morning I was looking at something on Instagram and some woman came on advertising some caftans and I was like oh they're nice and I thought <laughs> Loads of caftans. I don't need another caftan. <laughs> the power is, of the screen. That is exactly it. The power of the screen. You see it, you want it. <laughs> and I know that, well, it's that thing, isn't it? You do order them and then you put it on and you look at yourself in the mirror and it's a very different screen that you're looking at. It's <laughs> not the effects I was hoping yeah. for when I bought this caftan at 6am this morning. <laughs> Did they, I can't, I can't remember if you said this or not, and apologies if you did. Was it a thing then to have cooking excerpts in, in those? No, there, there weren't really any cooking demos. And I was also thinking there weren't really like makeup 
tutorials like that's a big thing on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook, isn't it? Showing showing people. I think if there was a modern day cine magazine, there probably would be things about plastic surgery. <laughs> Occasionally in Eve's film review, there would be things about plucking your eyebrows or but not very much. Not very much about makeup and no, no cooking demos. That I don't know why. I don't know why they wouldn't do cooking demos. I suppose because if you're in the cinema, by the time you get home, you'll have forgotten how to do it. Whereas with TikTok or Instagram, you can save it, pause it, all of that. So, yeah. Yeah, no cooking demos, alas. Or not any that I've seen. So when I was working at Pathé, I think there are about 1,500 of the films surviving. There were, were a lot more of, than that produced because it was a weekly cinema magazine from 1921 to 1933. So I didn't see any in that time, but there may have been some that just don't survive, I guess. I'm a digital marketer, so I'm thinking very much of the, the purpose being to sell people things, which a lot of social media is. But that isn't the case with, with these. As you say, it's more just marvelling. <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah, it's just the the general feeling for me is always look at these fantastic women and what they're doing, like wing walkers, women aviators and women just out there doing their thing, going off with their friends playing golf for fun. No, no, it's not selling you anything apart from, as I say, that aspirational fashion stuff. But most women in the cinemas wouldn't have been able to afford it. They would have maybe gone home and got their sewing machine. Lots of people made their own clothes in those days. So they may have been looking at the fashions and thinking, oh, yeah, that might suit me. I'll find a similar pattern for that or make it up myself. But, yeah, no, they weren't selling stuff. Maybe then the conclusion we've come to is that TikTok and the digital sphere needs to be more like Eve's family <laughs> and less targeted at selling young people things they don't need. So let's start a TikTok channel just for Eve's film review. So oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> I could actually, okay, but I could just film marvellous women I know doing things and just have a channel. Just call it Marvellous Women. That would be brilliant. Do it. Leave it with Mr. <laughs> Back on track. I'm getting distracted. That sounds incredible. And how lucky our audiences are to be able to see some of those. And what is the other event that you're leading on? So the other event will be a Joan Crawford cocktails and canapes workshop. So you will learn how to entertain like Joan Crawford and believe me, Joan Crawford knew how to throw a good dinner party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you mentioned at the beginning that you have very recently, I think, published a new book called Cooking yeah. with Joan Crawford. So dedicated purely to her and her and her rest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Okay. So Joan really is my, my favorite movie star of the silent era and beyond of course and when I was collecting movie star postcards I collected quite a lot of Joan Crawford postcards so this book is a kind of way of combining the postcard collect 
collecting with the recipe collecting because I had quite a lot of Joan Crawford recipes in my collection and I just thought well there are still a lot of Joan Crawford fans she's still known she's in the popular consciousness and she liked to show off in the kitchen I got some good recipes so it's a recipe book there are 39 of her recipes in there with little comments from me about how they turn out. Oh, you were asking about disastrous things. I have to say that her veal mousse, which involves gelatine, was not my favourite thing to eat. Ground veal in aspic with olives and hard-boiled eggs. It wasn't really my cup of tea. So that wasn't the best, but a lot of her recipes are really good. She's got a great meatloaf recipe, a really nice steak with roquefort sauce recipe I even though I do not know this for sure because obviously I did not know Joan Crawford but I would say she was an excellent cook she really did a lot of cooking she loved cooking for her various husbands (laughs) she loved a romantic dinner a deux and always always every evening and Joan would encourage you to do this yourself dinner by candlelight every evening so some of the recipes come from Joan's wonderful guide to living your life in a gracious film star, Styly, My Way of Life. And any Joan fans out there, if you don't have a copy of Joan's book, My Way of Life, get one immediately because it is my Bible. You will learn many, many things from Joan about how to live your life. <laughs> There's a there's a lot about food in there because she she definitely was interested in cooking and very interested in throwing lavish parties. She gives a lot of sensible advice. And once you read certain things, you will never forget them. So, for example, Joan said that she once went into a sort of cocktail bar and she saw a row of ladies sitting with their backs to the room on bar stools. And she said, ever since then, she's stayed standing up when she she wants to drink a glass of something because sitting on a bar stool with your back to the room makes your bum look big. (laughs) When I was on the dating scene and arranging to meet unsuitable men in cocktail bars, I would stand (laughs) up until they got there so they didn't see my big bum sitting on a cocktail stool. I feel like as a former hospitality worker, I'd be like, why is that? Is that lady okay? Why is she not sitting? No, she's got she's got lots of sensible life advice. She she's entertaining. She's got lots of great advice. Basically, don't serve two white vegetables. That looks awful, she says. A red vegetable and a yellow vegetable next to each other says unappetizing. She's got lots of little rules by which she lives her life and she thinks we should also live by these rules too. And I do sometimes. I do. I admit. I take her advice on many things. I think the eating by candlelight one is very... That's nice. It's very romantic. It's a very appealing vision of what my life would be like if I (laughs) ate eating by candlelight every night instead of in front of terrible reality television. (laughs) gracious living she was very much about making your man or your woman or your significant other very much the center of your life 
she would she insists on getting all your beauty regimes done in the day so that you're ready at six o'clock to meet your other half when they come in from work. Never have your curlers in your hair. You must be groomed, fragrant, and ready to spend the evening with your loved one. Make them a cocktail or a, an apple juice or something. And she, she said you must always be interested in their work. Ask them questions about their day so that you can talk to them. Do you mention the, that the workshop will be, there'll be a cocktail element, which is very exciting. Yeah. But it's interesting because now all the cookbooks I've bought, they don't come with cocktail recipes. It's all food. Oh, definitely. And actually, you'll be interested to know, I am writing a cocktail cookbook about movie star related cocktails because lots of Cocktails were named after movie stars. So for HipFest Online 2021, I think I demonstrated the Mary Pickford. The Mary Pickford cocktail, I think that was invented in the mid-20s, late-20s, named after Mary Pickford, and that is still served in cocktail bars around the world now because it's a classic cocktail. And Gloria Swanson's champagne cocktail is very good. Uh I like making cocktails. I like drinking cocktails and I like making them. So, yeah, there are lots of movie star-related cocktails. And at the Cocktails and Canapes workshop, I would be demonstrating a cocktail that, as far as I can work out, Joan Crawford herself invented. This is her very own recipe because I can't find this cocktail anywhere else. And it's called The Goodbye. And my theory is, because Joan Crawford hated droppers in, she called them, when people just come round unannounced, she hated that. She'd make one, make them a goodbye cocktail, then say, goodbye. <laughs> Off you go. Now, I'll be demonstrating how to make those. There will be a non-alcoholic version as well for anyone that doesn't drink. I've got to work out how I can replicate it. But, yes, there'll be cocktails for all. And I'll be demonstrating some of Joan's favourite canapé recipes and people will get the chance hands-on to make their own canapés. So bring Tupperware, everybody. <laughs> you can go home with your canapés, make them a cocktail and then have a romantic evening. Groomed to within an inch of your life. <laughs> oh, that sounds amazing. When When I was when I was first doing Silver Screen Suppers, I was single for eight years. and. Part of my thing about learning to cook and all of that was I wanted to make nice things for myself. So I'm always of the opinion that if you're having a Friday night in by yourself, make yourself a nice cocktail, make yourself a nice dinner, have a little movie, dinner and a movie. Yeah. It doesn't have to be about your significant other. I think every event should come with a bring a Tupperware caveat. I think, yeah. I'm conscious that we're over time and I don't want to take up too much more of your day. Um, I could talk for hours about all this. <laughs> it, it is so exciting. I'm so looking forward to it. And yeah, thank you so much. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we close? For people who are, in, who are interested in plastic movies in general, I do have a, a, a new thing going, which is called Dinner and a Movie, where I suggest a film every month. And you and provide some movie star recipes. So we had Scrooge for Christmas, 
with uh, appropriate recipes and beverages. I do a little cocktail demo. So if anyone fancies joining up to that, silverscreensuppers.substack.com. Also, drop by my website anytime. There's a sidebar. If you're looking on a computer rather than a phone, you can scroll through all the movie stars that I've cooked recipes for, find your favourite, see what they like to eat, rustle it up yourself. Oh, amazing. I will be doing that. Um, that sounds so, so incredible. Thank you so much. And I would say as well, as soon as we launch booking, I would book for both of these events as soon as you can because they're going to be a hot ticket at this year's HitFest. So thank you so, so, so much for joining us. And yeah, can't wait to see you in March. So thank you so much. Well, I'm really looking forward to meeting you in person and meeting all the other HitFest attendees. I had such a lovely time when I came in 2015. It was one of my favourite things ever. Thank you so much. Well, we'll see you soon. Thank you so much, Jenny. Goodbye. A final request, HitFest needs help and you might be our missing link. We rely on grants and sponsorship for more than 80% of HitFest costs to bring you great films with live music and much more. Could you or someone you know benefit from a sponsorship slot in this very podcast? If so, then please get in touch by emailing hitfest at folkirk.gov.uk. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much. Thank you.